Hello, my name is Ben Oden. I'm an author, capacity building and leadership development trainer. Each week, Mimi, pamoja na viongozi mbalimbali who will be featured on this podcast, will bring you leadership principles, stories and philosophies that if applied will elevate you into a position of more influence among those you lead and those who lead you. Hello to you. I hope you are doing well and are having a productive day. Welcome to another episode of the Why Lead Others podcast. I am your host, Ben Oden. Now, today we'll be talking about an idea that is central to leadership, and that's change. Uh, if decision-making is the cradle of leadership, then change is definitely the sustenance of leadership. Change is what keeps us moving forward into new frontiers. Words like innovation, trailblazing wouldn't even exist without change. Change is the new normal for leadership success. But see, change doesn't just happen. Someone has to initiate it. And we've heard things like, you know, be the change you want to see. And I think that's great. But sometimes the change is not personal. Sometimes it's systemic. And in that case, we say, initiate the change you want to see, which is the topic of conversation in today's episode. And to have this conversation, I am joined by a leader who's been working in the banking sector, specifically in the financial markets, for over 10 years. Uh, she currently heads uh, global markets at NMB Bank. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Gladness Deogratius. Ms. Gladness, Karibu sana. Asante sana, Ben. So I think maybe my first question to you is where did you learn to become a change maker? <laughs> well, um, I don't, of course there are causes on um, change management, but I think being a change maker is also a habit. Mm wanting to see things differently, um, wanting to leave a legacy, wanting to disrupt. And I think I've always been that person who would always say, why can't we try this? Have you thought of this? Uh, can this be done differently? So I think that is where I, I picked up that. And of course, maybe part of it is through the different courses that I would have attended uh, as part of my journey as a leader. Oh, nice. Uh, now. A quick backstory for our, you know, uh, audience. Uh, when I reached out to you, I think I told you this story of, you know, I was at a hangout with a few friends and one friend was complaining that, you know, she works in a financial institution and um, she was invited to speak at the highest, you know, leadership group. And to her surprise, it was a room filled with men. And she was complaining basically like, you know, how come there are no women? And I think when I, when I, when I heard that story, I thought of you, because I, and I remember reading a story that, you know, when you saw a similar, maybe not exactly like that, but you saw a similar challenge um, at MB where you work, but instead of just sitting around and complaining or sitting around and, you know, I guess gossip about it, you actually chose to do something about it. And you launched a forum called NMB Women Arise, um, a platform for, to promote diversity and inclusion at NMB. So tell me a bit about what motivated you to initiate this particular change and how did you go about it? Thanks. Um, I think it's a story that I repeat over and over whenever I'm asked about it. And, and I always say it sits very close to my heart. Um, so when I joined NMB, I joined NMB back in 2014, around about May. And um, at the time when I joined the bank, um, my immediate manager 
sort of went on leave for a long period of time. And every so often when I would go, I would go into meetings, I would find a room filled with a lot of men, maybe one or two women. And then I would wonder, where are all these women? Because when you come through the banking hall, you meet them. When you go to the ladies or to, to the canteen, you meet them. And I'm like, but they're not in these meetings and why so? So in December 2014, as part of my plans for, I always plan what would happen the next year, one of the things I thought, I've got to do something about this. And I think it speaks to your first question about being a change maker. I wanted to see something different. I said, I'm surely we could have more women. Hmm. What could I do about it? And I spoke to my mom about it and she said, well, there's this African proverb where they said, if you want to go fast, you can go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. So what about starting a forum of women so you bring those women together, understand their challenges and see why they're fewer at the senior positions and why so many at the lower level. And that is when the idea of NMB Women Arise came about. And of course, like any any organization, there's got to be a business case for it. So a lot has been written about diversity and particularly gender diversity and how it breeds innovation, how it brings about changes. Um, so I needed to then convince the management and the board that this was not just another anti-men forum or um, just a social group for women to hang out and all of that. But I wanted to show that there was a business case for, for, for the bank to, to have diversity at the senior management position subsequently to the board. And therefore, we needed to form a steering committee that would then, um, it went as far as having to do a research because one of the things that we kept asked, is there really a need for this? Have you seen that uh, if we don't have it, then what would happen? And therefore, we did a, an internal survey to see what are the challenges that are facing the women within the bank to be able to succeed? And we came up with a conclusive report that was then subsequently shared to management and the board. And then we needed also to put a terms of reference. We needed to put, um, how, would, how would the whole forum work? How would it fit within the entire organization? So we started with that. And as much as it was a personal initiative, I believe in collaborative working. So putting that steering committee together meant that we also included other people. And you'd be surprised, when we went further into getting board approval, we were then given a sponsor within the EXCO, within the Executive Management Committee, who was a male. So then this didn't, uh, it wasn't just a women's agenda, mm -hmm. it also included male, which means we got in the buying of the board management and subsequently the entire organization. Wow, that was, that's a... Yeah. That was a thorough approach to uh, you know the whole initiative. Now, in many many times when we hear about these stories, you know, there is a group of women who you know, if they had taken the same approach, and the board or the leadership says, "Nah, prove your case," so to speak, which is what you did. You know, went and you did research. For some people that's almost like an insult. Like, why do I have to, why don't we do this, you know? And I think which is the conversation, <laughs> a lot of the conversation around feminism and diversity is always that, you know, it's, there's a group of women who says, why do we have to prove ourselves? Why do we have to build a case? How come men don't do the same thing? But it, it, did you battle the same thoughts as you were doing this or were you more pragmatic in terms of, we, we want to do this and we'll do whatever it takes to get the results. It doesn't really matter what happens along the way. So I'll be honest with you, there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of, first of all, at the beginning, because we had to start the steer call, um, it was, we, we had to sort of, I would say, handy pick 
a few a few women to put into the circle. Even just that, within within the women ourselves, within the, the rest of the women within the bank, it was more seen like this was for elite group of women. Or they are being favored. And I always say if you believe in something, mm. people will always talk, but you need to show the cause and the direction of which you, you believe. So as much as there was that resistance even within the women, but also then men started thinking, oh, now they're going to outshine, everything is going to change. Yeah. But then it was the fact that, no, this is a business case. And if we continue with the right course, subsequently or eventually people would see the results of this. So apart from celebration of International Women's Day, we then went on to celebrate Father's Day. And when we were celebrating Father's Day, we needed to... Un- to bring to light that without men, even all this process is not going to bear fruits. Because at the end of the day, it is the men who are the leaders currently. Now, if we want them to be able to promote these women, if we want to change policies and frameworks to be able to support these women, we need their buying. They need to understand when you're interviewing this woman and you ask her certain questions, she might not be able to disclose as easily as a man would be able to rightly say, yeah, I fit all these criteria and I'm up for it. A woman might be hesitant. There were times when we would go through the branch network and we would then say, after the branch manager's meeting, can we stick around with just the branch managers who are women? And in those discussions, we'd bring in the male. And the woman would say, when I'm being asked to move, let's say, from one branch in A to another branch a number of regions away. I start thinking about my family. I start thinking about my husband and all of that. And then, therefore, I pass for that promotion. I said, no, I don't want because I don't want to leave my, my husband and my children behind. But then we had women who have done that and have their family still sticking to them, having their spouses supporting them, telling them how they went about that. So sharing those stories, which were very impactful. And today, at the time in 2014, 2015, I think we only had one or two zonal managers who were women. And today we are having more zonal managers who are women. We are having more female branch managers and more women in senior positions. So a position was there, but we needed to stick the course. We needed to show there was a business case. And I think even when you look at um, the results of today, I want to believe it's the diversity of the staff that we have today that complements the results that we see today. I mean, we are recording record historic profits. We have a female CEO, not to say that we have a diverse board, we have a diverse management and senior executives within the the organization. And that all means that even the innovation that we bring into uh, into the industry or within the bank does not only address a certain population, it addresses the entire population, including Mm -hmm. the women. So yeah, oppositions are always there. You just need to make sure you're focused you know what you're saying. You know, as a leader, sometimes you need to disrupt. And then even when, when you're disrupting, people might feel uncomfortable. But then you not, just need to show them that we need to go through this route and it will there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel. So we, 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 we charted the course and we managed to come out. And to piggyback on what you just uh, said here towards the end, um, there is this idea that, you know, leadership requires disturbing people. 
but at the rate they can absorb, right? So do you think there are issues that are too important, you know, so you just have to sort of like crash through the ceiling or break through the front door um, in, you know, trying to initiate those changes, you know, issues like diversity and inclusion, because, you know, they've always been in conversation and, you know, it's, it's about time, right? Do you think there are issues where you have to just bulldoze your way in or do you think this idea that, you know, you always have to disturb people at the rate they can absorb, does it apply to everything? Basically, what I'm trying to say is, is change sometimes initiated prematurely? Do you think so? Yeah, you might initiate change prematurely. Um, if First of all, there's nothing as important as being able to communicate what you're trying to achieve. And I think at the beginning when we started the forum, I needed to communicate what am I trying to achieve. And in my initial paper, even before the research, I had put out what the global world out there is talking about diversity, why we need, and NMB being a leader, we cannot be the last one to do this. As, an, as a leader, and I, I am proud to say that following that, we're seeing a lot of other organizations doing the same now, having those forums of women and and seeing how best to support their women within their organization. Mm. So I said, no, as NMB, as a leader within the financial markets, we need to do this. First of all, financial services industry is not to be male-dominated. Now, if NMB were going to do that, then we need to be the leader that initiates that change. But then because of the way that we communicated, meaning the way I communicated it in, in the memo to say we need to start this forum was, was important. But then also... You initiate prematurely if you have not also done your research. Mm. Um, and like I said, I was asked, is there really a need for this? And that's when then I went to have to do the research to show there was a need, which eventually did come out that, yes, there are people feel they don't have the right skills, there's no support system, so things like Flexia or things like the nursing room, all of those mentorship programs, all of those needed to be there to support the woman that we're saying we want to bring diversity, but then they've got to be processes and, and, and frameworks in place to support that. But beyond that, you need to push. You mm. cannot just say, or at the rate at which they will absorb. A human <laughs> being does not want to be disturbed. Everybody <laughs> likes their comfort place. So, yeah. so and like, like I said, there were, there were talks around whether this is anti-men or for few women. But no, you need to push out. Sometimes you need to disrupt to ensure that you can bring about change because mm. nobody likes to be disturbed out of their comfort zone. So sometimes you push through it, but also you need to be genuine. You need to have empathy. People, you need to, re, to be relatable to people's feelings as much as you're pushing them. But if you have the right people and the right team and, and people who believe in it, even when you push them through, if you have a record that this will succeed, mm. they'll definitely accept it. So, yeah. Um, there is this um, idea by this Harvard business professor um, who says leadership is dangerous. <laughs> leadership is dangerous, and and to leave to lead is to live dangerously. Uh, that's a, you know the exact quote, and he says that because he says that change. The reason people don't like change, it's not because they don't like you personally or they don't like the initiative, but they don't like loss. Because any change brings about a certain loss. You know, you'll have to lose something. Like what you just said, you said comfort, right? Sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes you're losing privilege. Um, so there's always a loss when change is brought. And so, of course, people will 
automatically, naturally just, you know, react and say, yeah, maybe it's not time yet uh, to protect some of those values, beliefs, habits, or privileges mm. that they have. Um, and so, of course, how, so how do you navigate through that? How do you bring people together? How do you, I guess, assure people that, of course, even though you're losing one thing, but you might be able, or maybe not individually, but us as a collective, mm. uh, your personal loss could bring about, you know, a collective gain to everyone. How do you... Uh, you see, Ben, seeing is believing. Mm. Um, and uh, when I started this, I also had to share my own story. I shared my own story within the steerco, within the bank, but also even within the branch network when I said when we went to branch managers meeting and I said to them, even my success today, I owe it to two women who believed in me and pushed me forward. So what you as a woman can you give back? And to me, I said, if these two women um, push for me to be where I am today, I also have to do something for the younger women who are mm. coming bef behind me or even for the women <coughs> who are we working mm. with today. If I'm at that position where I'm able to influence, then if there's one thing I'm going to influence, I'm going to influence that we are many of us so our voices can be heard. And therefore, if, you, if you're able to show that whatever change you're trying to bring, you believe in it. First of all, it begins with you. Before you even communicate, you see, even the way you communicate it, somebody can tell you're talking of something that you're sure you're unsure of because of the way you even communicate. No so conviction, if you're com yeah. Yeah, so if you're communicating something that you believe in, you communicate it with passion. You communicate it. And then the figures and everything, that is just later. But first of all, and that's why they say a little somebody who can tell you you would walk through that forest and you will walk through it, even though there are snakes and everything. Because first of all, even the way she communicates, or even the way he communicates, she believes in it. So I believed in this forum and I said, it is going to bring changes. And it's just not for the head office. It's just not for the few women. It's for all of us. And I'm, I want to believe and it'll, it'll be something that we look forward to. We have started what we call Finance to Eco in partnership with the IFC, where we're, we're bringing in, it's a two-year program, we're bringing industry, uh, companies within the financial services industry to pledge for gender equality, whether through procurement, whether through their women in leadership within their organization, or whether through um, the way they would bring in their products into the market. NMB is, is one of the partners within that because we seeded the idea. Mm. So we said, if we've already done well within NMB, then how can we bring it to the market and, 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 and more people can benefit? So without just the women within the NMB bank, but also our um, the community at large, whether being our customers or even stakeholders and partners. So the, the, the Finance to Eco program was launched back in two, two, 2019. Unfortunately, with the whole pandemic, I think the progress on it has been slow. But part of it would be, we would like to then look how just the war, the women arise, has been able to impact the society. And, and when mm. I said, um, there's no loss, but rather it has been a gain. We've looked at it internally, where we featured women who have gone through some of the mentorship program that we started as part of the Women Arise initiatives, but also some of the leadership training and where they are today. 
We see some of them who started as branch managers. Today, they're zonal managers leading the zones out there. And when I said it leads the zones, you find some of the zones have over 30 branches. This is a, this is a woman who was just a branch manager, let's down at Magomeni. And today, she leads a zone with over 20 branches. Wow. Yeah? This is maybe a woman who was just a graduate trainee. Today, she's a senior manager pushing a certain product within the bank. So when we featured that, then it showed that it was not a loss. There's a light and there are women that we are seeing. Mm. I, like, I like that approach. Uh, there's an episode that we, I did uh, back in 2020, I think, uh, I think sometime in September or October, talking about storytelling. And Very powerful. I love storytelling. Yeah, and so it was. In, it's interesting what you're saying now because we were basically talking about you know the power of storytelling and leadership. That sometimes people buy more into stories than they do numbers. And there's this um, neuropsychologist, neuroscientist, um, no, sorry, neurosurgeon called uh, Robert Demasio, who basically has dedicated his career into like you know studying how people make decisions and the connection with storytelling. And he had this one client who got into an accident and his orbital frontal cortex was damaged. And his IQ was fine, he was he could think rationally, but he couldn't make any decision. And he was wondering like what's what's the connection there? Why can't he make decisions? And of course he realized it's because that part that communicates the emotion is broken. That's why he can't make any decision. And what stirs emotions more than anything else? It's storytelling. So they came to a conclusion that, you know, it's storytelling is one of the most effective tools to move anyone into decision. So I like that your experience sort of in, like speaks to making, the same. Yeah, in, 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 in making change. If you can communicate or rather if you can tell the story that I have also gone through this. I'm here today because somebody believed in me, somebody paved the way forward for me. And... It is why I'm here, and I think I want to do the same by, by giving that opportunity to all of you women here. And, and you're not just saying that because you're saying empty words, but you're doing something about it. So somebody did something for me, and I think even we look at, at Beijing, the success of a lot of the, the gender diversity and discussions starts way back in Beijing. But there's been this clip that's going around about how many women, look at Kamala Harris today, look at Mama Samia Sulu, look at even Ruth today. So all these, I believe, started way back in Beijing and are leaping fruits today. And I want to believe the same. The NMB Women Arise has only got, what, I would say four years, 2016, 2020. But I think for generation to come, there will be more and more fruits coming out of this. Yeah. Now, many change efforts die, a natural death. Uh, I think I was looking at a number uh, that says, is published by PwC, that says, you know, the success rate of many change, change efforts is about 54%. So clearly, a lot of them, almost half of the efforts die. Um, and there's this quote that I saw that says, you know, as soon as I left, they reversed everything <laughs> I did. Um, what, what do we do to make sure that the change we initiate or the change that we lead is actually lasting? How do we make sure that it's not just, you know, another exciting thing only for it to die in a few months or years? So I think it's making sure that there's sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you ensure sustainability is having, like I initially said, processes, procedures, framework in place. There's, and, and any good leader is the one that when you're able to leave 
things still continue. You're not micromanaging, you're not doing... Of course, at the beginning, you need to be there because you're the one who has the vision. So you need to, to be able to show that this is the direction we need to, to go. But then being able to ensure that there is succession as soon as you leave. And that is what we've also done even with Women Arise. I did lead the, the forum 2016-2018. And as soon as I left, there was somebody else who would take over, who, who is Linda Tegisa. But then I would sit in steering committee for continuity, that even instead something that uh, was forgotten, then I'm, I'm still there as, as a consultative. And that is how we've put it, that even the, when the new uh, chairperson comes in, then there is the previous one that sits within the stakeholder for those two years for, su for succession. But also beyond that is making sure that that change is fitted within the entire plan of the organization. That is very key. Mm. And then ensuring that um, the processes, procedures, and framework are in place. And if those are there, then whether you're there or not, people will be able to still proceed. And I think those are two main things. There's a, the, the continuity of leadership, so making sure that you have a successor, but also processes and procedures are in place. That means they sustainability. Can, sustainability. Um, now, of course, with anything, there's you know, there's the small failures, um, and then there's you know, big failures. Now, a big failure in, in this case would be for the initiative to die, but small failures, you know, are things, mistakes, and uh, things that go wrong along the way, and so the fact that the program is still in operation, yeah. it means you, no big failures. Um, <laughs> but I would like to believe that you've endured, you know, your fair share of small failures along the way, considering that this is was something new in this context. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't get everything right. And, and I'm a firm believer that successful people are people who've managed to have a certain relationship with failure. Yeah. Because we all fail. But there is a group of people who know how to handle that differently uh, and they succeed. So what, what, what was your relationship or what is your relationship with failure and how when encountering failure, how do you, how do you overcome it? What's the mindset there? So I've, uh, maybe I'll answer it in the general leadership context and then I'll probably narrow it down to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, Einstein says a person who never made a mistake, never tried anything new, mm. right? Um, so first of all, even just the idea of saying, I'm going, at the time the CEO was a male, mm. the executive management, I think they were all male except the company secretary. And even with that, I said, I'm going to try. Mm. And this is a person who had only joined the bank <laughs> six months ago. Who are you here to tell us yeah, that? Yeah, six months in that we... Six months <laughs> in. <laughs> who are you to tell us that <laughs> there's something wrong here? But I still tried. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't scared whether that idea was going to be turned down. Because if it's, if it's turned down or whether you're told it, this is completely no room for it, mm -hmm. but at least you tried and you consistently go to polish it. Because if somebody says it's not, then you go and think, wait a minute, what is it that is not right? Mm -hmm. But also, as leaders, often we try to show that we know it all. But mm. I, th I think that is, that's a wrong way to, to behave. Mm. Um, Benny Brown, one of the authors, talks about being vulnerable, that you, it is okay not to know everything. Um, and it's okay to ask. 
So even at the time when we were studying the Women Arise, I didn't know everything. I mean, mind you, I'd only been in the organization six months in. So by bringing all the other people in, mean that some had been here the longest, they were able to tell me what is the culture of the organization, how do we navigate to get the buying in, how do you go about writing these memos and making sure that you get the proven ultimately this thing takes off. Um, and, and therefore, to me, I have a very good relationship with failure. I don't, I'm not one person who sits down and think, oh my God, I've failed. Actually, I look that as an opportunity to learn and to, to improve it. So I'm one person who would always ask you, I remember when I would do the presentation on Women Arise, I would always come back and ask my friends, how did that go? Mm. Did, did I sound okay? <laughs> did I push the wrong buttons? Sometimes they said, no, no, it was fine. Sometimes they said, hmm, but that one, maybe not now. You're pushing too fast. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to get feedback, and I think when, when you do that, that means you have a good relationship with failure. That means when you drop down, somebody will give you feedback and that is, you become, you better yourself over and over. So to me, failure, I, I mean, I failed, uh, as part of implementing this, we did fail and one of the biggest failure that we got feedback all the way right through the board was communication. Mm. That when we started this, we had not communicated it effectively. Much as I said, Part of initiating change is communicating, and I tried to communicate, but I'll be honest, we did not communicate it effectively. What I mean is we started it at head office, and being a big bank like ourselves with over 200 branches, it immediately started like this is a head office thing. Hmm. And therefore, that is when we then said, no, we need to go through the network through the branch managers, the zona managers, and making sure that we cascade this message down to all the staff. So yes, that was, that's what, that was part of the thing that I felt for this. But over the years, and even through the research that we included all the staff to participate, now even with part of the steer core, we have a representation at each zone where the zone administrative officer is part of the steer core. Means that they feel this, they own it, it's part of them. But also having part of their leaders who have gone through some of the initiative, including the trainings, the mentorship, and they're now leading. That means the message is now cascading down. But at the beginning, yes, the communication was really key. Was a challenge. Yes, it was a challenge. Yeah, and I think failure is a, it's an interesting thing um, because I think depending on how you look at it, and I think for me, it definitely took me time to separate. There was this idea of what is it anchoring where, you know, there's the self and then there's the role where... <laughs> Failure happens on the role. It's failure to do something, or you've done something and then something didn't go right. Right? It's it's a role you play. It's not who you are. Yeah. Um, but I think many people, when something goes wrong, somebody criticizes you, or things didn't go as you planned, suddenly it's a reflection of who you are. Your entire being is a problem. Um, and, and I know a lot of people struggle with that, and I've heard stories of women who struggle with that as well. You know, and I think that's why there's this fear to even try because you don't want to fail. So, you know, you'd rather be someone who is not daring at all than being someone who is seen, or at least you see yourself as a failure, you know? Actually, you're touching a very good point there where you're saying women fail uh, and they, f they attach it to them. I have failed as a person as opposed to through my responsibility in this particular role, I have failed. And that is why 
uh, if in one of my comments at the beginning I said a woman would say, uh, I don't think I can apply for this role just yet. I don't have all the qualifications. And when we were doing the unconscious bias talks with the managers who are predominantly would be male, we said, sometimes you need to push that woman to say, you can do this, you need to apply. But also to my fellow women, you know, being a leader, it's about orchestrating. You need to have the best managers, the people who know the real stuff. And you just need to know who do I use when and what. Mm. And orchestrating that, you do not need to know everything. This is one thing that my boss used to tell me, gladness. You don't need to know everything. You need to see the bigger picture. Some few things you need to be able to understand them, basic stuff, but you need to have the right people and orchestrating them right. And I think that is where as women we fail because as women, we as mothers, you want to do everything because we want, that's how we are. That's how we are, we've been, rather that's how we're, uh, I think that's how we're made, mm -hmm. that we, we, we do everything and we never want to delegate and, 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 and use the people that are within our team. We want to make sure we do everything. And as a result of that, then we get burnt out and, and, and we fail. I wrote this one article in, in LinkedIn where I was talking about during the pandemic. And there's been a lot that's been written with regards to pandemic and, and women being really overwhelmed because at home you want to do everything. In the office, your manager still demands and how do you juggle all of that? Mm. And, and consequently, then you might end up not performing well at the You'll office. You'll drop the ball somewhere. Yeah. And then you pass for promotion and then you get frustrated and it's a vicious cycle. It comes mm. back at home and you're so frustrated that maybe your spouse is not supporting you or maybe the children are not doing well at school and it's just a whole lot of mess. But then you just need to make sure that you're, you're delegating and you're doing, you're orchestrating. You don't need to know everything and you can be vulnerable. I always say, sometimes when I don't know something, I say, I do not understand this. Could you please explain to me? Mm. How, do, how, how do you do this? How, 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 did you, how did you go about this? So it is, it is fair and I think as women, we need to be more and more vulnerable to say, no, here I can't, or oh, here I'm overwhelmed, I need more staff to be able to support me, so then you're able to advance. If you're holding on to everything, believe me, you'll not be able to, to advance because then you become too technical and you're too hands-on, you're failing. As a leader, you need to be able to have the bird's eye view, the bigger picture, and if you're too into day-to-day -day operations and looking into the minuscule things, you miss out the entire board. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned, what is it, Brene Brown, right? Um, and in her many books, you know, there is this idea that's repeated throughout of courage, being courageous, leading courageous, living courageously. Um, so for someone who's not courageous, they see the problems, they see things need to change, they have an idea of how that needs to be done, but that courage to take the first step is lacking like where do what do you have what can you tell that person so as far as courage is concerned i think there are two things first of all it is how you've been brought up and uh, unfortunately in our society women were brought up not to speak not to be the first one to go out there 
it's always the boy or the man who will go after that. So you need to self-develop that, mm. that it is okay um, to go forward. But also I think one of the best ways also to give you courage is to have a mentor mm. or a sponsor or somebody who you bounce ideas to that you feel confided to. Some people don't like the whole idea of sponsor mentor, but somebody you can confide your ideas with. Um, and I use that a lot. Sometimes I confide it with people within the organization, some people with, 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 with outside the organization to say, what do you think about this? How do I go about this? Some have experience, some could be your peer levels who have, who have gone through that, or somebody could be who are senior levels and they can tell you how to, and, and that sometimes gives me courage. Mm. But I also bounced ideas even with my own spouse. I said, even with this interview, I said, these are the things I'm going to talk about. What do you think about? And I always tell people, all my presentations, I always bounce it with somebody. And I said, what do you think about this? And they give me feedback. And that feedback gives me courage that somebody saw there was a pitfall somewhere, something was not right. I've sort of looked at it now. I've put it right and now I get that courage. At least somebody said this was not right mm. or something and polished it and therefore I'm going with it. I like that. So it's like, you're almost like simulating or augmenting your, the thing in a safer environment first yes. before you go into the wild. Yes. You know, so check, check. Um, and, and that comes back again to vulnerable. Just be vulnerable. You don't have to say, I know it. I'm going to be out there and I'm going to speak it. Check it with somebody and let them hear you. Let them uh, give you ideas and then that will give you courage at least have checked this through through somebody. Yeah. It can even be your subordinate who knows is a subject matter expert in, in that particular area. Check it with them. And I think at the very beginning you mentioned that you went to your mother. Um, <laughs> did you, is she one of those people? You mentioned mentor sponsors. Is she, <laughs> is she one of them? My mom was one of the women back then with the whole issue of Beijing. She's pro-pushing women forth. Mm. So at the time, she was the chairperson or one of the founders of Tanzania Association of Women Leaders in, in, in Agriculture and Environment, which mm. was called Taulai at the time. I'm not sure whether it's still called Taulai. Mm. Um, so when it comes to matters of women and how to navigate about it, yes, I would always check with her. But in terms of being pushed in the corporate world, yes, she's always the one pushing me and say, no, go, you can do it. Mm. Yeah, no, I do get my strength from her, yes. Oh, that's very, that's, <laughs> that's nice. Um, anyways, we have arrived to at the close of our conversation. Uh, thank you so much for all the insights. I like how you're very precise um, in all the things that you've said, you know, um, and I'm just, I was trying to recap. I'm like thinking of all the things that you've shared and I'm like, oh, I'll have to go back and re-listen to the entire episode and just how, I love how, you know, very practical, very personal um, and vulnerable. I like that also that went throughout. You weren't ashamed to actually address that there were some failures there, you know. I, I like that. Uh, and so I know you'll help many people. And something else, in fact, before we leave that I wanted to ask you, uh, do you think at any point you know, what you guys have been able to achieve with uh, this forum, do you think it's going to be made available to the public? Because again, when you were doing your research, it was available, right? And I think sometimes one of the challenges that a lot of people are facing is every time, which is something that I also struggle with because I do training and so when you're trying to 
justify when you're trying to make a business case, you always have to use data from abroad. <laughs> and there always, there's always be, there'll always be a person who's like, eh, what's the local relevance to this? Like, this is a reflection of what's happening out there. How do we know that the same is, you know, it's reflected back home? So there's clearly a vacuum of um, locally relevant data uh, or studies on some of these ideas. So do you think NMB at any point, will you guys put this out there so other people can use to have those conversations in the workplaces? You've just hit a nail on the head. So like I said to you, um, when we started the forum, uh, first of all, you start inside before you go outside. Yeah. So two years later in 2018, then when there was a Women's World Banking Forum, they did their annual conference forum here in Tanzania, I met a lady who is the gender lead for IFC in Africa. And I said to her, um, we have a forum within NMB, but we would like to start an association of women bankers, which is something that we don't have. There's uh, women in financial services, but you have women lawyers, women doctors, nurses, and all of that. And I said, we want to have one for, for, for the banking. But because of the who to start where, um, how could we do that? And I know they had done a number of programs in Asia, in the US. I said, could you put together a program? And we are more than happy as NMB to collaborate and, and be a partner in that. And that is when the birth of finance to equal was done in 2019, a year later. Um, and, and part of the program or part of the things that will come out of this program is actually a research on the success of NMB Women Arise. Mm. So we look forward to that, and I'm sure that will be will be out there in the publication. So post the program after two years, yes, there'll be a publication on the different um, partners or rather different um, companies who have taken part in this program, mm. including NMB as, as, a, as a partner in, in the program. So yeah, that, that would be out there. And it will be... I don't want to call it a legacy, but it will be something that I'll be very proud of, mm. that we started inward, we've gone out there to start a bigger forum, doing much bigger things with the government as far as gender equity is concerned for the country, but also just within the financial services industry. You see, within the, the program alone, we're talking about, you know, the government is already saying, I think the tenth, a tenth of it, of its procurement budget goes... Uh, to women or women-led businesses. So now we're going specifically to companies. What are you doing as far as procurement? Do you put a gender aspect in it? Or what about your product? Uh, how much of your product are being used by women? Or within your women uh, uh, leadership, how many are? Please pledge what you will do within this two-year program mm. that will come and revisit. So as far as the, the program has few um, players in it but post that I think it will be an eye opener for the entire industry with now NMB Women Arise having seeded that I, I think it, it's something yeah, to I be proud of. I definitely look forward so to reading that report. We will share with <laughs> yeah. you and, and that's why we bring IFC. We brought in IFC because yeah. then he's an independent person and you know their principles yeah. so they come in as an independent to bring together all these players Wow. Yeah, so we look out to that, but I'll also share it with you. I know the program stalled a little bit because of the pandemic, but I'm sure a lot of activities uh, are taking place. And like I said to you, I've already stayed in, in the forum for four years. I'm pretty much on the outside, 
but then uh, Linda together with the steer Cornell yeah. we have a new chairperson who is Abella Tarimo leading that forum forth so definitely look out to that yeah. oh wow <laughs> uh, yeah so people you know look out for that one I think that will be definitely be exciting and it will definitely start you know now a revolution so to speak because now we have the numbers because that's that's the missing link like what local numbers not numbers from America or Europe local numbers and yeah. I think gender yeah. segregated data is still a, a challenge for, for the country mm. but I think uh, with a lot of innovation particularly in the digital space where there's a lot of data mining then we will soon be able to mine data that uh, is useful and to be able to then make decisions at key levels as far as uh, yeah. gender equity is concerned. Data-driven decisions, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, thank you so much again uh, for the conversation. Um, and yeah, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Do you have anything else you want to share before we go off? Um, maybe just one thing for whoever is uh, listening, whether you're young, still starting your career, whether you're older, but I think there's, if there's one thing I want anybody to take from this, like you've started, be the change you want to see and always try to leave a legacy. Do something that, I always tell people, do something that when you leave, somebody will say, gladness was here, mm. Ben was here, mm. this was Ben's idea, this was gladness's idea. And they will leave multi-generation to come in and... Uh, and, and and reap fruits out of it. Mm. Today, maybe, do you know, like any other fruit, you might, any other tree, today you might see the flowers. Maybe three years down the line, you'll be getting the fruits. And somebody will take that seed and plant it elsewhere. And before you know it, you have a forest. Mm. So be the change you want to be and start as little as, as, little as it is. Mm. But then somebody will say, this was Ben's idea. Or this was Gladness's idea. Look how much it has lived for generation and generations to come. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, don't despise small beginnings, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. This has been the Wildlead Others podcast brought to you by Wildlead Consultancy. Wildlead Consultancy is a capacity building firm that exists to build highly productive and innovative leaders. To reach us, go to www.wildleadothers.com.